Hey, hey kids, kids, do, do you, you like, like movies? movies? Do you like comics? Do you want opinions? Do you want two middle-aged geeks going on and on and on? About what they've watched and read and done? And made in the last two months? Well, hold on to your lame, dorky credentials. Because now it's time for... The, the Hardcore Genki Hour! Yay! Yay! Hello and welcome to the Hardcore Genki Hour. I'm Laura Pickapple Jam Watton Davis. And I'm Andrew Raggedy Man Watton Davis. And this is the April 2018 update on our world of comics, films, TV, conventions, creations, and generally being excited about stuff here at the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki. Because if something's worth getting excited about, it's worth turning that excitement into words. And one of the things to get excited about is the film Annihilation. Starring Natalie Portman as the biologist Lena, with co-star Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, and Tuva Novotny on a female-led sci-fi adventure through The Shimmer an area of the USA's southern coast that has been infected by alien weirdness and assorted special effects. Launched in American theatres by Paramount Pictures, quite possibly to get it into the running for an Oscar, and then globally online by Netflix, it's based on the novel written by Jeff Vandermeer, and it is part psychological thriller, part Cthulhu horror, part Cthulhu horror, part visual treat, and all tense and moody, sure is. Oh yes. It was... Yeah, it's pretty it was, atmospheric. And, it was like two and, hours of brooding. Yeah, it was very haunting, actually. Mm. Um, there was no bravado and posture. It was a real thriller. This pace was really slow, wasn't it? It was very mm. different. It was very different to the trailer. Anyone who's seen the trailer, it was originally packaged as almost uh, like an action movie. But it, when you actually got into it, it was really slow. Yeah. Not, not slow as in ponderous, but just very steady and very... Done as a nice. Yeah, I hate it when trailers sell you a film and it's not actually what it's about. I think that does complete injustice to everybody that works hard on it. Yeah. Which is saying, because this is. I think if people go into it with that expectation, they're going to be disappointed because this is nothing like a bravado based action thriller. Yeah, yeah. This is a slow thinker. Yeah, there's something you can recommend to your mom, you know, that sort of thing. Assuming your mum likes the idea of just like alien apocalypse. My mum bloody loves it. She (laughs) (laughs) she loves those films. Yeah, so we were like on the phone, quick, mum, get on with it. Yeah. So to not give too much of spoilers away, a thing crashed into into a lighthouse in the States, but slowly but surely started mutating vast areas against the laws of science. Yeah. Um, very, it looks awesome. Very pretty, wasn't oh, it? It's oh, a yeah, very visually eco-bio horror, wasn't yeah. it, really? Yeah. Um, but also skeletal monsters, biological chimera, chimera ink. Chimera, yeah. Chimera ink of people, the explorers, the pre-existing plant life, the newly existing plant life. Mm. Very, very interesting and haunting and good. It, it was part of the thing I really liked about it was that it was very different mm-hmm. and it presented the aliens as being very different. They weren't incomprehensible because they were from beyond our ken or, mm. or super intelligence or anything like that. They were really incomprehensible because they were utterly alien. That's all it was. It was just, what are they doing? We don't know because they haven't spoken to us because they're just a thing. That, yeah. And as far as they're concerned, we're just a thing. So nice to get new ideas on the, on the, oh, yeah. in a film. I think so yeah it was also very clear that the people who wrote it went here's the basic premise now we're going to play with every iteration we can and really mess around with, with mm. visually and emotionally so you, 
you had lots of different stages and areas of it. Hmm. I enjoyed it. It was also very emotional. Tone-wise, it owed an awful lot to the Russian movies Stalker in, in, in terms of the concept and Solaris in terms of the tone and the number of the themes that were going on about identity and self. But at the same time, it's very much its own thing. And Natalie Portman, I mean, I've always raved about her as an actress, but she indisputably carried the whole movie. As it, she, she was front, she absolutely starred in it, front and centre all the way. Yeah, great, great on the home cinema. The director was disappointed with the Netflix release. He said it was made to be seen on the big screen, but to be honest, if you've got a big telly, it's <laughs> the job. Mm. So I, I we, we have a, you know, we don't have a small telly. And I think it worked quite well on that. I think with the visuals, I could see why he'd want to have it. But when Paramount did release it, they broke 31 million in the in the in its week in its launch against a budget of 55 million. So that was a failure, mm-hmm. a technical failure. He wouldn't have got it out there. It would have just collapsed without Netflix. So but I think Netflix was the platform for something so different. There's you know slight tangent, but on Netflix, there's a lot of shows that you wouldn't have even dreamt about picking up if you went to Blockbuster mm. years ago. So to have that just in your living room as an option. Now it's such a mega beautiful mm. big budget option. Great. I think I think when Netflix are doing so much uh, Cloverfield Paradox, mm-hmm. they've been they, they've got Adam Sandler movies coming out of the wazoo. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily getting a reputation for highbrow superior intellect movies, but then they they, they throw out Annihilation out of nowhere, which was mm. a pretty heavy bit of sci-fi, and they've they've made it an international hit. Watch the film. See what you think. Mend it to folks. It's something different to watch. Yeah. You know, something creepy, slow, different. Pretty, weirdly. Yeah. So, yeah, get on it. And away from that, they also brought out Game Over Man. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. Andreas Holm, Adam Devine, and Blake Anderson dare to ask the question, what if John McClane in Die Hard had been three incompetent hotel staff who spend all their time being dumb and bickering with each other? (laughs) Very Uh, accurate. (laughs) It's low on brows, high on main roles that will have you going, ooh, they're in that show thing. And a couple of semi-famous people turning up as themselves, like, two minutes of quick cameo. Apparently it's by the people who did Workaholics. Shrug. Yeah, I've never seen that. That's been running for seven years in the States, apparently a lot. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, critics hated it. The New York Times was pretty scathing, saying this almost laugh-free comedy is distinguished by a relentless level of outrageous, let's see, yet strangely listless vulgarity. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> Netflix distributed it. We watched it like some kind of bouncy castle car crash. I ended up watching all of it. I don't know if it was funny. Well, I watched it in two two halves. We both watched it in two halves, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, For me, I watched it in two completely different mindsets. First half I watched and I was just feeling really anxious about something unrelated. And it just wasn't much fun because I didn't find the humour endearing. You know, it's clearly for shock value. Very much, I was not the target audience of this. Horrible people doing horrible things to each other, basically. And incompetent people being incompetent and nasty people being yeah, nasty. Yeah, which wasn't helping the situation. And it was just awkward to watch. And it was really violent as well. Like, oh, well, it was a hostage movie. It was a, it was a, it was a comedy yeah. action. Which, yeah, but it was had... comedy torture porn almost in some places I think. a couple of places there was a bit but it wasn't I thought the, I thought the violence was quite comedic I, and the main characters were just a bit naff no one was really likeable there were a couple of characters that were almost likeable but they were very much played down but I think one of the things I liked about it though was for, for something that was essentially gross out and, and incompetence humour it was surprisingly progressive. There were just little touches yeah. all the way through. Yeah, it but led, these people were shit, but they weren't mean. It led you up to thinking, oh, this is going to be a, a gay joke, isn't it? Whereas actually it was two people 
two people in a gay context playing a completely separate joke out. You had you had yeah. basically on the on on the on the terrorist side, you had two of the terrorists were lovers. Yep. And they were going around terrorising everyone, and then one of them gets killed, yeah. and the other one goes mental about it. And the humour wasn't, oh my god, gay peoples. No, no. It was, you're a terrorist doing terrorist things, and you're all up in their face because they had the audacity to defend themselves against your ter- your terrorist lover. Mm-hmm. Man, get a grip yeah. on what your day job is. Yeah, everything was turned around, wasn't it? Like, yeah. there was a, a kissing of the butthole scene under torture duress by the captain. Yeah, but it actually turned its on its head and made and, the captors look stupid as yeah. well. And that was really interesting. One of the main um, bad guys is this psycho woman. Mm-hmm. That there was practically no chauvinism towards her, other than by one guy that was identified as the chauvinist that all the female characters kicked the shit out mm-hmm. of, which was awesome. And the biggest grief at her was the fact that she had this shitty fake German accent, and everyone <laughs> was just like, "Look, you ain't from fucking Germany. You're not this man. You're from Boise, Idaho. You know what is all this madness?" There was. There was also a scene where she'd been incredibly bossy to these two goons on the terrorist side. They get knocked out and one of them just leans, lurches over her. She's going, ha ha, now I've got you where I want you. That's quite kind of sinister. And then she wakes up and he's just doodled you are a poo-poo head all over yeah, her. Yeah, like marker pen. drawn a cock on her face or something. Like, yeah. yeah, literally you're a poo-poo head, I think, wasn't it? it was, that was the main, yeah. You're a shithead, basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing at it now. And the second half I watched, I was in a better headspace and some of the jokes then felt funnier but it still isn't one i'd recommend to people like it's quite long isn't it as well it's two hours long oh yeah something like that yeah it's, it's a and i'm like chunk of change. yeah it's asking a lot i think of people so maybe watched it when you've had a couple of bevies oh, absolutely. <laughs> this... something. i think one of the first things we commented on the film to each other was uh this is probably a film for stoners i mm. think you'd probably enjoy it if you were on some form of substance so to talk about something completely different something we... a little bit more wholesome oh bless we get, went to the arts picture house to watch the studio ghibli kiki's delivery service which is Hayao miyazaki's classic 1989 animation of 13 year old witches they who leave home um kiki takes her talking black cat named gigi uh, it got a big screen re-release pretty much every year. If there's any Ghibli films at your local cinema, go and see them because they're great. Mm. Um, it's an animated joy as Kiki finds her place in a fantasy modern world. Uh, she tries to balance her work with friendship. Making friends completely, you know, y- y- mm. she's the outcast in this world. She's a bit lost and she needs to find her place. It's basically a, a, a witch's sandwich year, taking a year out of 13 years old. And she ends up saving the day because uh, that's what witches do. It was kind of a kid's own fantasy thing where yes. you've got this 13 year old kid I want to be grown up yeah. I'm going to leave home and find my own path yes yes and who doesn't want to do that when they're 13 you know yeah but obviously they can't because you know the world is generally scary but it it gently brings in the difficulties of life making friends in a weird new environment trying to find your place what are your skills what are your qualities what can Mm. you bring to the world what can you learn the the only marketable skill she has is the fact that she can defy the defy the very laws of physics by making (laughs) any broom shaped object fly (laughs) what's a girl going to do to make money with that yeah and that that was really nice touch actually towards the end of the film she doesn't have a broomstick on her 
Yeah. Um, but she f- musters the strength to turn a sweeping broom mm. instead of her witch's broom into a fly. And it's it's gorgeous. It's, it's really, really sweet, isn't it's it? It's a little bit the powers inside you all it along. It is, it is. It's the best film about overwork and burnout you will ever see. Mm. Honestly, that that is basically the crux of it. Working so hard and getting poorly and having things fall apart, no matter mm. how hard you try, it is not always going to go to plan. You Absolutely. know, it's so, so good to watch, especially when you're feeling a bit crap Oh yeah. about anything. You're like, oh, no, it's okay to take a break. And then I'll find, when it needs must, I will find that strength from somewhere and we will carry on. It's great. It, the thing I really like about it, other than the fact that it, it's a Ghibli, therefore it's just wonderful in every way. Uh, um, Ghibli with a soft G, G- like gerbil, Ghibli. I read somewhere. <laughs> okay. Other than the fact it's from that studio that did Totoro. <laughs> oh, um, studio gerbils. It, studio gerbils. <laughs> it was... It was the way that it's essentially shot like a 70s uh, European film is in there's a lot of just establishing shots, lots of static shots. of just, here's a landscape, now let's really give you some detail. Shots yeah. with not much happening here's in Here's a it. panning shot of grass blowing in the wind. Yeah. With static radio in foreign languages playing overhead. But it really, it really gets you in there. They also played around with the amount of detail in the shot at various points to just help give you a sense of the emotional state of the main characters. Like... She turns up in a new city and there's lots of detail on the city, but the people's faces don't have a lot of detail and a couple of shots and just things like that. It just really helps at the pace. It's also the story doesn't have a nice circular conclusion to it. Mm. So it is very much about going forwards with life because it's like she starts, she has adversity, she gets around the adversity, but things don't return to normal. Mm. Things become a new normal. Mm, Absolutely. It's not everything will be happily ever after. No. You can get past the thing yeah, it does have a slightly bittersweet ending I will say no spoilers but you no. know, but it's essentially a feel good film and yeah. there are sweet and caring characters not everyone but no. there are some and you know those are the those are the nuggets it presents the world as a challenging place but where a lot of people are nice and you can find them if you do good but if you just hang in there I think speaking of awesome a bit random at the same but, time yeah. as all this came out uh, there's been a couple of announcements so number one uh, the, the author Eiko Kadena has been awarded the Hans Christian Andersen Award this is basically oh. the Nobel Prize for kids literature yes. she's done something like 200 amazing books she yeah. did the whole K- Kiki series and she's now got this prestigious award yeah. which is it gives you an idea of the caliber of this i mean it's not completely identical to the books but it's very yeah very yeah, like yeah. The books. and that's pretty damn awesome almost 30 years later well done yeah yeah well done eiko kadana and there are <laughs> randomly there have been also four body mist scents which is orange and rose in my story and peach jasmine and honey for the brand the magic moment fragrance yeah. <laughs> studio ghibli's four body mist <laughs> Of course, if you want to smell like a Totoro, you know, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to smell like a Totoro, just sleep under a pile of leaves. Um, oh, how lovely. They're 15,000 yen for 100 milliliter. Uh, 1,500 yen you've got here. No, you said 15,000 yen. Oh, sorry, 1,500 yen for, for 100 milliliter. Which is what, a tenner or something? Yeah, and they are available for delivery to the UK. Oh. I couldn't work out what the PMP was. Oh. Which, but through the nose. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, and so yeah, Studio oh. Ghibli in its constant urge to market to the world is releasing body mist. Oh, body mist. Which, as far as I can make out, is is smelly with a bit of moisturiser in it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the next Ghibli out in the cinema will be, but get um, a chance. I don't think I don't know about Ghibli, but it's Studio Ponoc. 
which is yeah. half Ghibli animators, which is Mary and the Magic Flower. I, yeah, Mary I, and the Witch's Flower. I have a feeling that Kiki was released either as a vehicle to promote the new one, the oh. new uh, Ponka, or just as a ta- tail on for that one. That's why it's Possibly. doing the rounds this All the promo I saw for Kiki very heavily had that new oh, thing. Okay. So it, it's the thing. The people from Ghibli are trying to expand because because they're not Miyazaki's not going to be around. No, he's getting on. Uh, he's already yeah. got on. Yeah. He's now. <laughs> and he has like retired gone, five yeah. times and come back though. I haven't finished yet. You can't get it right. <laughs> not a few things to it. So it's it, it yeah. wonderful to see someone trying to continue that, but yeah. whether they're going to hit the same stride Don't and know, have the same but magic. Maybe they shouldn't aim for the same thing. Maybe they should aim for their own thing. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, I so, worry about people being described as the next Miyazaki, and it's like, well, there can only be one Miyazaki. How about we try and promote the next big thing? Quite often. I'm like, yeah, there's not much difference between seeing something in the, in the cinema and seeing something um, at home. But there was something, I will say, there was something special about going to a cinema that was packed out with 5 to 50-year-olds. There was something about that vibe in the audience. It was yeah. a pretty quiet audience as well. Which oh, for some so of the well stuff, behaved, because it was quite a long film as well. Oh, yeah. For some of the stuff we've seen in the arts house where you've got like 20-somethings acting like brats. Uh, yeah. The fact that the the you had that wonderful group atmosphere and you had that, and yeah. there was that. It was one of the first times for a couple of years yeah. where I properly felt the group experience yeah. of the cinema, yeah. and I would say it's worth either getting all your mates in to watch it in the lounge, yeah. or going to see it on the big screen. I mean, going to the cinema can be an expensive and disappointing experience, can't it? You know, yeah, usually I... spoilt just by other people being douchebags. Turn your phone off, you idiot. You know, just. Noisy people or people talking through silent things. It's like just shut up and enjoy the film and well, have that experience. So yes, I am so. When we went to see Black Panther and we had the people to our side, they didn't write the, the movie for us because nothing fucking wrecks no, Black Panther. No. Black Panther will pan your face in. <laughs> it is that good. But when you got people there just mo- mooking and mouldering all the way through, just being attention seekers almost. Yeah. and I, it's That's not that they don't know what they're doing. It's the fact that they don't care. I think that's what's disappointing at the cinema. But when I go to when I go to a movie packed out with with six year olds and they behave better than twenty oh, something, it restores your faith. It yeah. absolutely does. And uh, we went with friends, colleagues, and uh, one of my colleagues' five year old son, and he he was great. He read the lines, he asked questions, and we both got a bit fidgety towards the end. Me because I needed the toilet. Um, but you know, it was yeah. a very long film, and I was I was truly impressed. It, I was very curious to see how the Ghibli film so that is so long would entertain someone so young in a foreign language as well. Mm. But his his feedback was, uh, you know, he, he went back, he told his dad the entire storyline, he'd picked up words from the sentences because subtitles can appear very fast, mm. and uh, and he followed the story because of course Ghibli is very visual. You get you get the gist of it anyway. And uh, and he was saying that he felt like he'd gone to a very grown-up cinema Aww. because there were so many older folks there as well as mm. youngers. And I thought, that's a great experience for him. Well done. And I was so happy to be part of his experience of that film too. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. On the more modern front, Avengers Infinity War. So we're going to talk about something we haven't even seen yet. Oh, no, this is about the trailer. This is literally <laughs> about the trailer. I mean, we, we, we could have a discussion about Black Panther, but it all boiled down to it was chuffing great. Oh, God, So yeah. many people have said so many things so much better than, than we have. Yeah. It was wonderful. We actually have nothing to add. It was no. just so wonderful to see that film. So go and see it if you haven't already. But back to Avengers Infinity yeah. Wars. Trailers are out. The cast list is ridiculous. <laughs> By April 23rd, we'll know if over five years of plot and tie-in was worth it. <laughs> 
But the thing um, for me, there was a very, very subtle thing in the trailer was when he lands and he says he's going to kill half of Earth. In the comics, in the original thing, it was originally that he was going to kill half the universe. Only half. How generous. Well, that was to try... It was a token of affection to his, to his bird mistress death. So, as a long-time fan of the Marvel Universe, and especially the Marvel mythos, mm. I think it's really cool because it's instantly signalled to me that this is going to be something different. That it's not... That this isn't trying to be a redo of the original story. This is going to be within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. So I can turn up with that firm knowledge. Mm. Yeah, everything's going to be go against the original, which signposting that and making it clear it's going to have that change is pretty useful for, for us. And it just gets me hyped because I'm like, oh, what have they... I'm excited about finding out what they've done with it rather so, than worried that they're going to stealth it in. I guess it's a little bit like what they did with Watchmen, which is change the ending slightly for the cinematic experience or change bits of it for that experience. It's the, like an edit by the sounds of it. I mean, they'll obviously take elements from the comic to make yeah. it its own thing. But as you say, it's not half the universe. Maybe that just doesn't seem realistic. Maybe killing half the population of Earth seems a bit more... More sensible. <laughs> I think the thing is, is that they changed it in Watchmen because that plotline no, no longer made sense in the new political climate. Um, right. But they pitched Watchmen as being... The authentic experience, the 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 book, the film of the book. They were they were pitching that as you know, this is Watchmen, this is the definitive version of it. And so to have that change, whilst I thought it was a good change, that meant that it wasn't the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas with this one, they're just going, yeah, no, it's Infinity War, but it's the Marvel, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe Infinity War. It is to me, it's the question of. Is this going to pay off? Yeah. Because this has been the longest setup going. Because the uh, mm. Avengers movie was like four years in the making, three years in the making. Was it really good gravy? No, but I mean between Iron Man and Avengers the movie, mm. that was about three or four years. This has been longer than that. Yeah. And this is supposed to be the big, massive kickoff, combining the whole universe together. Yeah. yeah so I mean, Avengers. This Avengers sequel we didn't get on with as well. If anything, it was Captain America Civil War that should have been Avengers yeah. 2, I think. I think they learned their lesson there, and yeah, that's why they, they the made lesson. it how they made it. But whilst obviously I don't... Well, this is the one that's going to make or break them. I mean, obviously if they break, then it's a case that they're going to just shit out mostly all of the money as opposed <laughs> to absolutely all of the money. But it, I can't see how that can go wrong, to be honest, but it'd be interesting to see, really. Yeah. I don't know. If it pays off... Yeah. It'll cement the Marvel Cinematic Universe as just this amazing thing. If it doesn't, people are just going to be a bit, eh, whatever. We went to Minami. Minami. 24. Minami 24. So, it was my 20th anniversary of being Yours. able to go to Minami Khan. Oh, yeah, Andy's like, oh my God, shut up, Laurie. Go on about this a lot. I'm like, I know, but it's part of my youth, darling. Part of your soul. Part it of your, is, your it is. Personality and, and Minami has changed a lot over the years. And Andy and I go now pretty much every year. It's like a mini holiday where you're guaranteed to know a huge bunch of people mm. who go every year. So it's nice to be able to go and meet up with the mates you don't often go and see. We don't do the massive campus uni conventions these days. So having a hotel-based, you know, max capacity 1,200 people turn up to these com- It's just right. Yeah. And he did a great talk on uh, cyberpunk and steampunk and... All the punk. All the punk. Basically, suffix punk. <laughs> 
<laughs> the title of your presentation was... A Brief History of Cyberpunk and its many, many, many derivatives. So many derivatives. Oh, God. People were like, what? At the end when yeah. Ali was listing pages and pages and pages of these suffixes. I will hopefully be doing it at Habanacon this year as well, which yeah, is the we've... first weekend of November. That's correct. Yep, we've booked um, up now. So if you go online and uh, Google Habanacon, yes. I think it's about 50, 55 pounds for 50, the weekend. 55 quid for the weekend. It's at the Jury's Inn residential. So all in, it's about 300 quid for three days. Yeah, for your but hotel that fees. includes a number everything. of parties. Yeah, that's um, right. Um, BananaCon is quite. <laughs> BananaCon. This is the second time they've run it. The it people is. running it are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's Apparently, it's very much the Minami feel. Again, hotel based. It's in Milton Keynes. Milton, Milton Keynes. So, if the worst comes to worst, you can go to Ikea. Um, <laughs> Just like Minami. <laughs> yeah. So, it's only worth going to an anime convention if you're in your late 30s, early 40s, <laughs> if, there's, if there's an Ikea around. We haven't been to it, but it's got that kind of um, local convention feel to it. Yeah, I heard nothing but good things. Much so, like um, Peterborough Comic Con. Oh, yes, yes. Which we went to. Yes, uh, we did. So, moving on from Minami. Uh, Minami registration for Minami oh. 25 hasn't launched yet, but the dates have launched. So go to Minami.org or find... Minamicon.org.uk. Thank you, darling. Um, or check out the official Facebook group. But yeah, Peterborough, uh, the, the the other one we went to, uh, that was on the 22nd, uh, sorry, 24th of March at the Crescent in Peterborough. It and was. that was the first Peterborough Comic Con. Well done, oh, Peterborough yes. Comic Con. You did really well. I'm usually very hesitant of first events we because were. we just don't know what to expect. But the team... Uh, Quickie, Quickie is the yeah. name of the team that organised it. They advertised it well on Facebook. It was on a Saturday. Uh, transport to the event was easy. It was easy for us. It was up the yeah. the motorway, up the A roads, forty five minute drive. So we were like, let's let's give it yeah. a shot. We'll buy a dealer's table. We'll divvy the cost. So we've barely got any costs to to pay. Free parking. All we had to do was pay for a bit of petrol. Yeah, we, yeah great. And because they had all the talks and all the guests in the dealer's room. Oh, all in the meant, same room. It meant that yes. essentially we got a free ticket to the event we and did. seats. We did. And where we were sitting, we were able to pretty much see what was going on on the main stage. Yeah. There were commentary. There was a bit of music. It was... And so many people, they, who attended, were big families, which is usually the case with new city conventions. And they'd obviously grown up with now the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm. or they've picked up some graphic novels from Harry Waterstones, really lots of big. Harry Potter popularity. Teen Titans was pretty big. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Which was a surprise. But I... it was... Everybody was like... I got the impression that everyone was into pop culture or they'd been into it in the past and they could finally express themselves, but they'd not been to maybe a large event like MCM mm. for whatever reason. So to have this on your doorstep, like if you were a young fan, if you were a 14-year-old that yeah. isn't allowed to go from Peterborough to London because the train tickets are obnoxiously expensive anyway, but at that age you can't really go on your own to something massive when you're about 12. So if you go to something like Peterborough, oh, great to have it on your doorstep. So much fun. It was also, it was very nice to see, and 1,200 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, people. 1,200 people. 1,200 people is a lot. Yeah. So it was really nice to see everyone getting it. They didn't get all the stuff that was on sale, but they very much got 
there, there was no one going, ooh, look at the weirdos. No, it was, no, I did not and, get that and at all. From a twelve from a twelve hundred person event in a place like Peterborough, and there's no way. I mean, with something that size, there's no way that the the, the weirdo scene or the or the the comic scene is twelve hundred people. So there was a lot of quote unquote casuals or or just mm-hmm. normal folks there mm-hmm. to have them all come in and buy into it. Number one, that was just lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very welcoming. The people were very welcoming of all the stuff. Good on vibes. There. As soon it was so yeah. varied as well. Everybody was coming in. People's granddads were coming in dressed yeah. up as characters. Everybody, everybody was there. It- it was full on access. Oh, my favourite one was the person going around in a wheelchair with a <laughs> sign on their chest saying Batmobile. And it was uh, someone, and she someone was, was so cool. I just remember someone just was like, Oh, you got that round your neck for? And they just, she just looked at them absolutely incredulously, incredulously and just went, I'm cosplaying. <laughs> just like, What the hell do you mean? Why am I wearing I'm why obviously you, cosplaying. Why are you even asking that question? And that sort of, because especially. In a in a place where shared interests are what bring you together, mm. there are a lot of folks who can't go out, or mm. maybe they get abuse for being different and living differently. And just comic cons are the place to go to where people don't give a shit whether you've got one leg or what. And that, and I know it shouldn't be the point, but people do mm. give people shit. You know, you get programs on Channel Four as well that they're either massively. I think we talked about that in the last pod. You can either get profoundly active coverage like the last leg or the Paralympics mm. and then you've got proper Barnum and Bailey shit like the Undatables and meeting folks just seeing them in the same place as you just helps folks who really haven't approached anyone with disability before and it's you know what I mean it's it just normalizes it, it, it. exactly and it, I mean that's the thing it is normal <laughs> but there are many reasons why People don't go out if they've got mm. wheelchair accessibility issues. So to see so many folks from so many different backgrounds and whatnot come together in the same place, I'm like, oh, great. Some of it will be the fact that the Crescent has got really good disabled access. Well, good for the Crescent, absolutely. So great for the Crescent. Set the bar, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It, it was just, it was I just, just felt like there was no restriction. Yeah. And that's the whole point, isn't it? And that was great. So well done, everyone. Yes. Well done. We book for the next one. Oh, we'll yeah. See you next time. Absolute ninja tip to anyone listening to this who runs event. When we turned up, we had on our table an envelope. In it, it had our dealer instructions. It had the FAQ. It had our, it had our little arm slips and all that. And it had a form to sign up for the next year. That was killer. Do it. That is just... Absolutely. We yeah. were just like, wow, these people yeah, go are on. Then. Are on. Let's see how we get on throughout the day. And then if we ended on good vibes, let's sign up for the next one. So they they, they had, I I, I spoke to them, they had a sizable number of traders filling in those forms at the end of the day and handing it in. Talking of other conventions that have made... That have made the headlines. London Film Comic Con! <laughs> uh, after a lot of wild and deranged speculation, L- uh, London Film Comic Con have finally announced their big guest, and it's Christopher Eccleston. It was a, a news that uh, was so exciting, the mainstream press got involved because he was charging 235 quid for a diamond pass, which gave you things like commemorative diamond pass dog tag, standard photo op on the Sunday, a guaranteed in-person autograph, and a London film and comic con Christopher Eccleston mug. And so the press got involved on that one, commenting on, oh my goodness, this guy's charging almost 100 quid for an autograph for a photo. That was... I don't think that was quite the press they were expecting to get, especially when you find out that you have to buy a normal ticket on top of that. (gasps) Do you? You do. Oh, that's a bit cheeky, isn't it? 
isn't it? That's a bit cheeky. Oh, dear. So we asked some folks on our feed what they thought about it, and we got some various comments. Uh, Rick responded, I don't know the ins and outs, but I bet he, he'll whine about it afterwards. <laughs> Someone said, I thought it was just the con price gouging. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> uh, Steve commented, Jeremy Renner is charging 45 quid for a photo of up to three people and 30 quid for an autograph, but given how much signed-off stuff goes straight on eBay... And to be honest, Eccleston refused any part in the 50th anniversary stuff. Major cash in. Mm. Uh, he also commented that he re- he recalled Ray Park, he of um, the Phantom Menace and X-Men fame, getting run out of Forbidden Planet Leicester for charging 30 quid for a signature in the 90s. Wow, so, so that shows how the cultural landscape's changed. Yeah, 30 quid um, these days. So uh, our mate Paul said, I still record the days when con guests didn't charge anything for autographs in the mid-80s. It's definitely changed the landscape in more recent years. Yep, agree entirely. couple more people who no, no, not, so, not so much positive but a bit more neutral uh, Claire said he doesn't like to do Doctor Who promo and to him the cost that makes it worth his time is X I see no problem telling people your time is worth X if they don't agree they won't pay sick of people shaming this it's not medicine or a critical service yeah I've got, yeah, to, yeah. I've got to agree it, on that it is a bit it does the complaints about the costs do start to lean towards draw me this for free mm. autograph me this for free and it's like, no, <laughs> there, my time is worth more than that. There is a certain so... amount of exploitation of the completist. But at the same time, if you have to spend that money on that, you've got a serious problem. And it doesn't matter who it is, you're going to spend that money that you, anyway. And uh, I, that mate guy says, the trouble that is that on paper it reads dickish. But he has taken time out of his schedule of rehearsing and filming to do this. It is up to him what price he charges. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Carol said, it sounds a lot, but you look at how much his autographs sell online, you could almost certainly get your money back on eBay. Why should he charge any less than the market rate? Yeah, it's like it's like concert tickets. Yeah. If the band is charging 90 quid a ticket and it then sells for 300 post-sales, in, in as neutral a way as possible, the reason the band isn't charging 300 quid a ticket is essentially PR. Dave said, you'll know if it's supply and demand when you look at the size of the queue. And yeah. uh, I mean, Karen says, <laughs> how much does he charge people who aren't fans? <laughs> Fair point, well made. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I look at it and I'm like, my God, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But if someone's going to go and spend that money, someone's going to go. If you know it's a once in a lifetime thing and you're such a massive fan, then and you've got the cash and you can still feed yourself and pay your rent mm. afterwards. This whole thing does lend into the discussion about whether such events and shops exploit those who feel the clinical need to compulsively obsessively obtain all of these elements for people who can't get out the house or whatnot Mm. there is an element of i need this i need this i need this Mm. because otherwise my life is garbage without it you know i can appreciate the obsessive compulsiveness to obtain it so you have to query is this exploitative is this or is this market supply and demand is it exploitative market demand i don't know is it his response and by his I I, I'm gonna okay at any point in this when I say his I'm actually thinking more of like him his manager LFCC because there's more than one Christopher Eccleston does not pocket 235 quid every time he signs his name that is not the case is it their responsibility to care about that do they even necessarily have know about that they probably don't even have a say so it's not necessarily their personal responsibility to care about it I'm not maybe 
talking about Christopher Eccleston in general. I'm just talking about exploitative nature of some geeky thing. I really enjoy certain titles, but I'm not going to collect every single, every single thing to do with it. If it looks nice, I might buy it. But there's like £500 limited edition beautiful Sailor Moon figurines that come out. And I'm like, I can't afford that. Mm. You know, so I can't get it. But I I do feel a little bit disappointed that I can't. But at the same time, I'm like, well, yeah, there are other things that I could not buy. But Mm. I also need to (laughs) pay my mortgage and eat, you know, so. There's also also the fact that you, you are buying, okay, so number one, a statue is not a unique thing. No. Your photo with Christopher Eccleston Will is be unique. A, a unique experience, right? yes. You've also got the issue, as is always needs to be discussed in these things, of piracy. Yeah. You can't pirate the guy's... Well, you can cut photocopy, but that's a different issue. You you can't pirate going and meeting the guy. No, so, no, no, no. But the, the, other, the other thing that got me was that they've got Peter Capaldi there. Yep. And he's charging for pretty much the same thing. Yep. Um... Where instead of a mug, you get priority seating at his talk. He's charging 225 quid. 10 quid less. And no one's jumping up and down about him. You know, and they've got Megan Fox. Same package as Capaldi. Um, two, 210 quid. Jason Momoa, <laughs> 195 quid. I mean, that's yeah. that's the same package. Th- those are hefty chunks of change. Yeah. And people aren't jumping up and down about that one. I know it's probably because Eccleston has been flouted as the big name. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Who fans love Doctor Who. Mm. You know, it's and as was mentioned, he didn't turn up to a certain a fiftieth anniversary for whatever reason. He didn't turn up or whatever. But yeah, who knows? If you've got the money and it's not putting you under any duress regards any other things you need to spend money on, then obviously, Mm. of course, go for it. Meanwhile, at the comic book store. Do you want to exhaust your Doom Patrol demons, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> you do at me every day. I can't help it. Okay. So yeah, uh, Doom Patrol recently... Like, he literally can't help it every single fucking day. Me, me, Doom Patrol, me, me, Gerard Way, me, me, pub dates. I'm like, I know! Uh, Young Animals Universe recently had a crossover with the Justice League of America uh, universe in DC Comics. Uh, with a number of crossover. It had five, It was part of the series called Milk Wars. And it was rather good. It was all really good fun. It started with Doom Patrol versus Justice League America, uh, then moved on to uh, Mother Panic versus Batman, then moved on to uh, Shade the Changing Girl versus Wonder Woman, then Cave Carson versus Swamp Thing, and then the uh, Justice League versus the Doom Patrol. Really good issues following the story against uh, Milkman Man. Who's this like overly sanitized version of a of a superhero, all going around with this wholesome milk up against Retco, who are trying to sell off the universe to the best buyer, and they they brought in Milkman Man to to beat up all the anomalous people, which is basically everything from the uh, from the Young Animals universe. And yeah, it was all pretty good. The highlights included again, again, Mother Panic being awesome, Mother Panic versus Batman, which is. Uh, People who've been reading Mother Panic was wonderful because you got to see Mother Panic beat up Batman because uh, he's had it coming for ages because he's not as good as Mother Panic. Cape Carson versus Swamp Thing was just good on like a cosmic level and all that. And then it finished with lovely new versions of everything. So it's now uh, Shade the Changing Woman. Cave Carson has an intergalactic eye. Uh, Mother Panic is now moved ten for- forwards ten years, so it's now a bit of a sci-fi cyberpunky thing, which makes me like it even harder. And yeah, as you said, it was it was great, it was wonderful. There were some changes for the um 
for the Doom Patrol. And it's all brilliant, other than the fact that the bastard th- setup for it is Doom Patrol 11, which still isn't titting out yet. Call me tits now! <laughs> so, Jared Way has successfully rebooted his entire universe rather than do hit the pub date for the comic that is the setup to the reboot story. <sighs> so, it, his brilliant crossover spoiled it for all the readers of the Doom Patrol. So there's now various bits from, from the crossover that we know that means that when we come to read the actual flop... So rubbish. It's... And, and, and what's going on? Rebooting... I mean, most of those stories are on, like, issue 12. He's the editor-in-chief and all that, and he's just rebooted the entire universe? Mm. I mean, they're wonderful. Don't get me wrong, they're wonderful stories, and I love the idea that they're knocking it up notch and all that. In Shade the Changing Girl's gone through 12 issues. That's not a huge amount of plot to cover for something that's a pretty deep subject. It's oh, I'm allowed to be frustrated. I know, I know you joke about me getting annoyed about the pub dates, but this he is now harming his own publication. Yeah, well, he's harming I mean, the franchise, and as a fan, that's what you find sad. Yeah, I've been annoyed at delays, but now that he is spoiling it, that's just. Man, what are you doing? That's a step too far. So, while you're eating your chocolates, I'm going to talk about, <laughs> I'm going to talk about some small press that I've picked up. Don't swear at me. Brilliant. I've got loads. So, I've, the first one I picked up was uh, Locket, a collection of short stories by Pamela Loken. I picked this fanzine up at the House of Illustration. You can probably buy it online if you go to penciled-dreams.co.uk. Uh, beautiful stuff. Uh, I've known Pamela's, uh, I've known of Pamela's work for ages. Um, used to be on the same forums as each other. So yeah, pick up Locket. Uh, the second one I've got, Knock Knock, a tech noir horror compilation by Frisson Comics. Frisson Comics um, edit- is edited by Tom Smith and Katie Whittle. Frissoncomics.com, featuring work from some of horror's best up-and-coming creators. Uh, proper fanzine. Text, comic books, poetry, you name it. I support them via Patreon. They send They send PDF copies of their work out to patrons and every now and again the print version of it which is great because i prefer print to digital but i will support both in either in both forms so yep well done everyone pretty solid stuff oh yeah yeah it's great my dad read the horror one that came out before the tech noir one it was great Mm, I, i like it a lot yeah, so well done, folks. The next one I've got is a comic called Go Eat Worms, uh, a sample comic by Sammy Boras, based on horror girl. Go Eat Worms are a misfit paranormal riot girl band out on their first tour of otherworldly gig venues. Genie the Vampire vocals, Scare, Claire Scab the Witch backing vocals and bass, Destiny the Poltergeist on the lead guitar, and Melissa the Mantis Shrimp Woman drums are managed by visual artist Camille. Each venue is significant to a member of the band and they each have to overcome unique challenges whilst out on the road. There's potential to add more tour dates and unusual locations, extending the length of this story, or continue their adventures on future tours in shorter sequel comics. So you go to sammyboras.co.uk B-O-R-R-A-S Sammyboras, um, and you can pick up a copy of Go It Worms, I think. It's a beautiful looking comic. Look at it. It looks beautiful. Look it's bug nuts it. crazy. It's great. Yeah. Just a mantis shrimp drama. What else yeah, do you need in life? It's so good. Yeah, you got sketches at the back, full colour throughout. It's really beautiful stuff. So well done, Sammy. Awesome stuff. Go on, go on pick it up. Um, I've got two comics now by Sam Webster. I picked them up because I think it was the end of his print run. The smaller one is called Sometimes I Just Want to Kill You All. The subtitle, Public Transport. I'm sure we have all been there. Well done, Sam. The other issue is issue one, Unfamiliar Skies by Sam Webster. I'm trying to see if there's a website... 
Oh yes, facebook.com forward slash sjwebsterart. Um, Unfamiliar Skies is born, uh, born on a self-sustaining spaceship. Clarice's future as an intergalactic explorer was decided for her, and she hates it. In an act of rebellion, Clarice steals one of her colony scout ships and blasts off to create her own destiny. The only problem is she has no idea what to do next. Having crash-landed on an alien planet and being blackmailed for repairs to her ship, Clarice finds herself wrapped up in a crazy adventure. Again, full colour. Amazing. Well done, Sam. Can't wait to get on with reading that. Sorry, I'm ready yet, to be honest. The next comic I've got is called Peace of Mind. I found this randomly on Kickstarter. I thought I'd uh, support it. Uh, once again, American-style, full-colour, cyberpunk, tech noir. A whole bunch of artists working on this. Story by Callum Frazier. Art and colours by Emilio Correa. Letters by Rob Jones. Uh, is there a summary of this I can read out? Nope, just look cool. It's a comic, it looked cool. It's you a comic it. and it looked cool. And I found it on Kickstarter. But um, unfortunately, in this comic, there is no... You are a Grim, Grim Comics, G-R-Y-M Comics. Oh, sorry, guys. Maybe... <laughs> put a website on it the next time but i'm sure they'll be on facebook or twitter and all other social media avenues looks really terrifying to me not looks out not looking out of place to 2008 uh maybe i should uh, submit it to be mm. honest i think they'd make a good techno thriller future shock to be honest so yeah always good well done guys and uh, last but not least least uh just arrived day before yesterday kage kabuki uh lauren matthew sorry has got a beautiful a4 black and white full color cover uh, comic book prologue and chapter one awakening uh the title is sacred with a question mark on it and the blurb i've got thousands of years ago in the past sam yaza captain of the grigori watches in horror as his men and their families are slaughtered by the angel gabriel this moves on to chapter one awakening that covers chester jordison always knew that he wasn't a normal teen his fashion sense goes some way improving this bullied at school and traumatized by his abusive past he has no idea of his true potential until a normal school day takes a horrific turn Horrific school bullying, and then there's a sudden ending, which I'm really interested to see what happens. Really, really nicely done. Full black and white. I'm assuming Manga Studio has been used with this. No moire um, printed as... Uh, yeah, the reproduction qualities of this is really good. Um, nice thick paper. No line art showing through from one page to the other. No moire with all the tone. Pretty varied. Yeah, if you like you goth comics and you're interested, tapastic.com forward slash series forward slash sacred, sorry, and sacredmanga.smackjeeves.com. And you can find Lauren on Kage Kabuki Arts on Facebook. Although I hate, I think Lauren's rebranding actually. So I'm sure it'll still we'll be Googleable though. So, pardon? We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, great stuff. On my front, I mean, one that hasn't started yet, but is going to be launching soon, if you're willing to risk a webcomic, is Your Trash Will Eat Us, uh, which looks to be a pretty hardcore cyberpunk series. That's at buriedantenna.com. It's going to be starting in April. Oh, you posted about this this morning, no. actually, didn't you? Is that, just, is that on Patreon as well? I think it's on Patreon, yeah. It's Who's the artist, sorry? It's Phil McDermott mm-hmm. from the US. He's on quite a bunch of the uh, cyberpunk forums oh. I'm on. It's pretty grungy art. It's quite. Uh, it's basically black and white with an emphasis on the black. It's quite old school, pretty. Yeah, it looks very Xeroxy photocopy. Yeah, which, which has got that. Pure on. old school fanzine. It's got that aesthetic and yeah. it's also got quite a hard, hard, grim cyberpunk side to it. So mm-hmm. he, he, I like his artwork and he's now doing web, a webcomic so that could be pretty awesome. And yeah, I realised I had been reading other comics this recently. I've been rereading Akira. Of course you have. Um, <laughs> and that's quite a, 
that's quite a meaty time to get through. So I'm, you've already I'm on book three, though. You're already halfway oh, yeah, through. Yeah, about halfway through. It's getting to the good bit. All the all the mutants are blowing up people's minds. Plot twist. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's the one I've been I've been doing. I I will be honest and say with some of the stuff, I kind of like to come back to it every couple of years, mm. just to see if it's still any good. Yeah. But I do also buy new people's stuff, but it's not Akira, so obviously it can't be as good as Akira. Um, oh, one more comic I forgot, because I went to Been Planet London. I finally, oh. finally picked up my lesbian experience with loneliness. So, um, a complete page turner. It, it really doesn't matter how you identify or whatnot. You need to read this book. Um, okay. Very sweet autobiographical experience of sheer, sheer anxiety, depression, um, all the problems sabotaging herself um, unintentionally due to mental illness and mental health issues and not eating enough, binging, eating, hair falling out, cutting, really sad story, but really good pages dealing with self-realisation and overcoming them and being aware of your limits and what was making her feel so lonely and why and coming to terms with sexuality etc etc it's really really heartbreaking read it's in a really it's not particularly graphical it's written in a kind of cutesy form many chibis on pages pure yuri comic so yeah it it's it really doesn't matter how you identify as a reader it's always good to read about other people's experiences I think so yeah it's a really well done book there's a sequel coming out as well um printed in two color as well black and white and pink um very sweet so yeah I've been wanting to read it for a while I've heard nothing but good reviews from all sorts of reviewers everyone has just said what a good book it is and I'll add to that so yeah cool. go for it oh sorry the so my lesbian experience with loneliness is a true story and art drawn by Nagata Kabi and it's published by Seven C. So yeah, the candid tell-all of a young woman struggles with depression and sexuality and it took the internet by storm. Really good. 28 years old, no confidence, no direction, never had sex. Yep. I'll recommend it to you. Read okay, it. I'll read it. That's a lot of comics. You think, oh, comics. what comics have you been reading? I don't know. Well, hang on a minute. <laughs> Where the hell did all these comics come <laughs> there's, from? There's and why is my bank account low? There yeah. can't be a connection. Oh. There can't be a connection. We have been to many comic shops, many comic marts this year, this month, actually. So that, that kind well, of explains our bank account. People are going to make good comics. We're going to have to buy them. It's I as know. simple as that. It's their I own know. fault, really. Meanwhile on the internet. Bunkazilla! This is a awesome new UK geek culture online radio station combining all forms of UK geek culture. It's um, got music shows, it's got conversational shows, it's focusing on movies, TV, games, anime, ever growing UK convention scene, and it's got us. Yay. We are now syndicated. We're syndicated on there. We've got the uh, bi monthly Hardcore Genki Hour. Yep. We've got the. Which you are listening uh, to now? Whenever it happens on the way to, yeah. which has already got one of its shows up on there. Yeah. And we've got, uh, hopefully, the soon-to-be-announced other show I'm going to be doing, oh. which will be happening. And we've also had a wonderful chat with Ian Bolton, the uh, main guy behind it. So, yeah. Here you go. Well done, Ian. Hi, Ian. How's it going today? Hi. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. A couple of days into Bunkerzilla. And uh, everything's, everything's still going okay. Nothing's on fire just yet. <laughs> you had a brief little fire before it launched, I believe. Yes, it was the. Uh, uh, yes, it's the wonderful world of websites and uh, learning how to build your own website. So, um, yes, we were doing some early final stages of testing with the uh, the Bunkerzilla 
team uh, everyone looking at their their show pages and going oh yes it's all, it's almost ready and then wordpress decided not to connect at all and uh yeah had a, had a bit of a mild panic on um on the afternoon but uh luckily i went <laughs> i actually went off to um to watch a, a, a reading football game and as i was watching the game i kind of was just going right what can i do what can i do and i thought hang on a minute i have a backup account with another website building company I know, I'll quickly make a homepage. So um, when I got back from the football, and uh, we won, which was nice. Always it's always nice. It was always nice. Uh, I just kind of shut myself off about 90 minutes just to build a, uh, a backup website, which was basically said, we are Monsters of Culture, we are Bunkerzilla. Here is the here is the player link, here is the request a song link, off you go. You go. I mean, Fantastic. Uh, essentially, because, um, because the radio broadcast platform that we're using is different and is absolutely separate to the website, a little hiccup like a website malfunction wasn't going to stop us, to be very but, honest. So, I mean, the, the radio station was ready to go as is with, with, with yeah. the online platform. It was just, it would have been nice to have the uh, full website. But that you wanted the welcoming page. Yeah, I wanted... Bask in its glory. Yes, yes, indeed. But, um, but uh, fingers crossed, it'll be, it'll be live very, very shortly. Hopefully, by the time this uh, episode has come out, it the, website, the website should be there because um, we've got our show pages. We'll also have the Bunkerzilla blog, uh, which will be a mixture mm. of news, reviews, features, obviously articles from myself and other members of the Bunkerzilla team if they want to yeah. shout out about various films that they've seen, video games that they've played, comic books that they've read conventions they've gone to like you're on the way to um, podcast that sort of stuff the wonderful on the way to which is going to be turning up on your site whenever i get around to making them yes yes <laughs> thank, you very, thank you very much for accepting my offer of i'll make stuff and throw it at you from time to time oh, it's absolutely i always like that production schedule um <laughs> for people who aren't in the know uh, who haven't been listening to me and Laurie going on about this for a while. What is Bunkerzilla and why is it awesome and why should they be listening to it and not just stop it? Bunkerzilla is a UK geek culture online radio station. And um, this is a, an idea that kind of came to me after I retired from running conventions because for about seven years I've been running, helping run Kitacom. So I kind of started off as General Dog's Body all the way up to Vice Chairman and I, I retired at the end of uh, the event last year, which was very nice. And uh, mm-hmm. I kind of, during my sort of summer holiday, I was kind of listening to a lot of radio and just listen to things on through apps and stuff like that and podcasts i kind of because i used to be a podcaster and i kind of missed doing the podcasting Mm. um i used to podcast for a website called geek plant online and um i did incidentally enough i did the movie podcast or i did one version of a movie podcast which kind of started off as wednesday night at the movies and then sort of uh morphed into this uh a podcast called um, Cinematic Dramatic, who well, I co-hosted uh, with Leslie Pett, who is also on the Bunkerzilla station now with Hustlers of Culture with um, Hugh David. I kind of pondered and I kind, of was, I kind of noticed that there wasn't really much in this field tailored for um, geek culture. I mean, obviously podcasts are podcasts. You can download, you can digest mm. them on the go, but I kind of thought it would be quite cool to have this kind of like as a radio station in the background. So even if you couldn't download or go or or listen to things on the go you could just have it on in the background while you're sort of gaming or while you're yeah. sort of re- while you're sort of um doing bits like cosplay if you're building cosplay and you want something cool to listen to and um so and almost just... like almost like uh curating the content that's out there yeah pretty much pretty cool. much but also creating your original content as well because mm. one of the great things about the convention community that i've been involved with over the past couple of years is there are a lot of talented people out there Mm. There really are. I mean, they're photographers, videographers, and all that stuff, and even, even podcasters. So, so it was quite nice when I started sort of pushing the, um, putting the feelers out a little bit, and saying, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do this. Yeah. Would people be interested?" 
And would people have an idea of what they would like to do? Quite quickly, I had people kind of immediately messaging me on Facebook saying, oh, yeah, I'm interested. Like, get me involved. Get me involved. <laughs> involved. Or, I used to do podcasts, but I don't anymore. But I kind of want to get back into it. Your station sounds like a really cool idea. I've been very fortunate to have uh, the support of people like yourself. Um, obviously, people like you, David, Leslie, Pitt. Yeah. Um, even Molly's coming up with a few shows shortly and uh, Christian as well uh, one of my uh, current cohorts in crime we're, we're pretty much inseparable at events really so it was kind of um, and uh, inc- incidentally um, he was the one who helped, kind of helped with the, the naming and the logos and stuff like that so uh, Christian was a really good sounding board just to get ideas mm-hmm. off so basically if it sounded okay to Christian <laughs> and, and not just it sounded okay in my head then I think I'm on the right path because half the time it's like you yeah. have these really good ideas and it's just kind of like I just want to make sure that I'm not going off the wrong <laughs> the wrong side of the track here. absolutely always useful to have someone just to make sure you're not not going mad um, you're from the anime manga scene is it especially focused on that area or is it just a good name and a good vibe to go with yeah uh, Bunka is the Japanese word for culture yeah. and considering what I wanted this radio station to encapsulate through all different forms of culture whether it be movies conventions mm. anime all that sort of stuff I just thought that the name just kind of really really sat with it really I mean, it's like Bunker and obviously Zero's in monster, monstrous sort of, obviously you kind of think Godzilla, all that sort of stuff. So I'm thinking monsters of culture, Bunkerzilla. There you go. Okay. It's, uh, it kind of nicely goes hand in hand. But it's not just the Eastern stuff. It's also like the West. Oh, no. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted it, like I said, I kind of want Bunkerzilla to be kind of like a little, a good, good hub for geek culture, whether you're into anime, whether you're into more sci-fi related affairs whether you're into to movies or video games or even if you're just a diehard cosplayer or you really like going to the convention going to the conventions across the country um i just want something to really encapsulate everything in one neat package because i think that's that's kind of um something that we've kind of seen in the convention scene mm. is when i started the only events you really saw or the only events that I really went to were the ones really kind of into well, was 100% into anime Amicon, Icon that sort of stuff but when events like Keta and, and MCM really started kind of taking off the, the doors kind of opened out a bit more things like uh, TV comic books video games those sort of stuff were now acceptable at the anime conventions as well so it's, it's kind of been interesting to see how that scene kind of has evolved over the years it's mm. been it's been nearly 14 years for me which is very scary. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Yep, so uh, it's kind of, you go through all these different phases. But no, I think I think we're in a more sort of encapsulated uh, group now. Definitely, I mean, I've, I've been plotting almost like the marvelization of the convention scene, where with that, that wave of stuff, it just became a lot more, you, saw, you first saw a lot more people dressing up as Thor. Mm. I don't know why, but that's the one that's always stuck in my head is the one that was cool, and th- that just helped open up the scene and making mm. things more encompassing. We noticed the, the change in different ways, I, mm. I suppose. I think I noticed it a lot more when I was part of Kitacom because for up until that point, I was kind of really knee-depth in anime. Mm. Um, I was watching probably anime a lot more than I was watching normal television programs. And then combine that with my love of films, it was kind of like two, two parts of me there, movies and anime. This, uh, the conventions for a while just served my purpose for anime. It's just, it's, I think it's just been a very natural evolution you got quite a lot of music shows on the station. They're not especially pop culture They're just good music 
shows. Mm. Yes. Uh, is there any particular reasoning behind that? H- how does that feed into the con culture or the the pop culture side of things? Or is you know, and there's nothing wrong with just good music. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm of all people, I'm not going to creep out and hearing good track. Wonder what the thinking was behind that. I think it, I mean again with with most conventions nowadays, you have the after parties, you have mm. the you have the musical social gatherings, that sort of stuff. It was kind of like an idea just to try and bring different forms of that onto the station the rock night shows are presented by party pirate and uh, he's been doing rock nights at conventions for a couple of years now so it kind of felt like well this is kind of like kind of like a no-brainer we're doing a little bit of experimentation as well obviously christian our alan has his our friends eclectic which is a bit more niche i'm i'm pretty relieved that it's not two hours worth of morrissey every week (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i i i kid i know i know it's not two hours of morrissey but um but no, it's like, it could be. It could, it, be. It, it could be. It could be, and that's when and that's when I sort of press the off-air button because <laughs> I still have the control of the station from wherever I am. <laughs> Are you still looking for people to do shows? Yes, we're always open. The schedule's not really set in stone at the moment um, because we had a, we had a few shows that were already ready for launch. They weren't ready at the time, so we've mm. kind of put them on the back burner. But the, at the moment, our our schedule's quite open. It's quite uh, fluid. Um, we are still we're always open. So even if you have an existing podcast and you're looking for another place to mm. to get an audience out of, we're we're more than happy to sort of open the doors, have a chat, and see and see about getting getting the good work out there. As you said, it's bunkerzilla.co.uk. Yes, that that is the address. bunkerzilla.co.uk for all your listening pleasures. Thank you very much for your time, Ian. No worries. So that was Ian with with more of the info on what's happening. This is a wonderful listen. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Thank you for syndicating us. Glory, glory abounds. And all the best for Bunkerzilla. Yay! Do listen. It is great. There's some brilliant shows on there. Huge variety. If you like podcasts, go there. Great. That's that's the Hardcore Genki Hour for April 2018. If you like this podcast, then please share it with your friends and rate us online. It really helps spread the word and we'll love you forever. The Hardcore Genki Podcast is available from raggedyman.net slash the Raggedy Jam Podcast, as well as iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Pocket Cast, the aforementioned Bunkerzilla, and from you downloading your life story on Facebook. And as always, please send any feedback you have on the show to superfortresshg at gmail.com or comment on social media. Just get a message yeah. to us. Pigeon post. Get your cats to text. Speak your brains. Let us know. Telepathy. I've had a number of people go, I love the show. What can I do? Well, A, share us. B, tell us you love it because then we've got some content to read out. Yay. Laura Pinkapple Jam can be found on the Twitters at Biomecha Comic on Facebook via the... Uh, Facebook page Pink Apple Jam Art and online via pinkapplejam.com and biomechacomic.com. And Raggedy Man can be found at Needlessly Aggressive Products on Facebook or on www.raggedyman.net. So till next time, goodbye and farewell from the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki. Bye! Bye!